Hello everyone and welcome into the Broadway Bulletin. We are thrilled to continue bringing you this latest bonus episode from Stage Whisper. To, s- to start this episode, we take you to the Brooks Atkinson Theater where we see the fabulous ladies who are divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. Of course, we are talking about the new hit musical, Six. Now, we will be covering this show in depth in an episode of Stage Whisper, so we don't want to give too much away. With that... (laughs) We need to talk about how... This was a different experience than any show I'd ever seen before. Definitely. I mean, the number one thing I would say it was, was energetic and entertaining. It was like a concert, which I remember you telling me, like, this is going to be like a if these women were pop stars and in a concert. I was like, uh-huh. I don't know how to feel about that. Like, yay, a concert. No, 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 no. It was great. And the lyrics were incredibly clever, really mm-hmm. smart. Great pop references, but then you throw it like the music had these great pop references. I mean, so the lyrics, but then they did a twist on them, which would be what the actual queens themselves would say or a historical reference. Right, like the fact that they intertwined green sleeves all into different stuff. I was like, yes. Um, I mean, the music is catchy. Exactly, that's exactly what I was going to say. I'm like, so leading to that, the music was so catchy. I mean, I find myself humming it all the time. I'm really glad I waited to get into this music until I saw the show because I have a bad habit of like listening to music and the show gets really overhyped in my head and then I see it and I'm like, eh. Uh, but I had heard that um, second to last song I told you about. Um, the one... I Don't Need Your Love? Yes. Yeah. And I, I, I'm going to butcher I was going to say Catherine of Aragon. That's not the right one. But the one that survives. Yes. I remember hearing that when I came up on a Spotify playlist I have and I was like, ooh, this is cool. What show is this from? Yeah. And like I said, it's, yeah, it's great. It's it's really good. I mean, like, from top to bottom, super just impactful. There, I mean, the lights, the costumes, the, the set. The lights were fantastic. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. The, especially the lights in the back. Mm-hmm. That was brilliant. Using that, that I guess, like, the wall of lights. Like the really grid. Neat. Uh-huh. Yeah. My favorite thing about that was when the throne just, like, appeared out of nowhere. Yep. I was one brilliant. Of, one of my favorite moments. The story was super clever, too. Which, I mean, I feel like that's what I was nervous about when you were like, it's a concert. And I was like, but what's the story? There was a really, there's a good story. There's good mini stories within this overall story. Yes. Well, because the main thing about it is like the story points out that Henry's the villain in his own story. Yes. And that the only reason why anyone knows anything about him is because of them. Yes. And I like that um, in the program. And, well, in the show as well, that each wife is represented by a different pop diva. Yeah, it's it, like different combinations of different pop divas. It solidifies the sound, the movement, the theme, or whatever. But it it really brings, I mean, there's just like a different color, no pun intended. Right, well, and the thing about this that I would say is it's all about herstory. Yep. You know, it's about the women behind the story because we all know Henry's perspective. We all know the story that we've been told about how Anne Boleyn is this terrible human and she caused the riff in the church. But how much do we really know about these women, especially from their own words because uh, only one of them was a published author. What I find interesting is if you ask anyone what is Henry VIII known for, right? They'll remember that he found the Church of England but then he's known for having eight wives. Really nothing. Six wives? 
Six wives, sorry. <laughs> Long day. Six wives. Nobody else really knows what else he did. Yeah. But he had six wives. And I'm like... And he split the... And he, yeah. and he started another church. And yeah, I'm like, that's okay, it. so in regards to these women, what's significant about these women is the fact that they all have in common Henry VIII. Henry didn't do anything remarkable. What do these women do, though? Yeah. You know? Uh, two of them birthed uh, future queens of England. Mm-hmm. And one birth the future king. You know, there's learning about them. I was like, there's some really good significance there. Um, the atmosphere really was electric, top to bottom, from outside the theater to inside the theater and everywhere in between. It was like a rock concert. And <clears throat> I'm going to make a prediction here and now. I'm going to put it out there. It's going to be chisel and stone. Tony Award predictions. It's going to get best light, best sound design. Right now, I'm going to say best orchestration. We sell some new musicals to see, but I'm leaning towards best musical. It's just going to depend on if the committee goes for substance or story. There's some really good shows out there that's getting a lot of buzz, like Girl from the North Country, Mrs. Doubtfire, even MJ's coming along. Um, we got to see kind of what the field level's out to be. Flying Over Sunset, don't forget about that new Tom Kent musical. Um... The show had amazingly good music, and it's got that pop culture. I don't want to say pop culture, but the popularity following, you know? Mm-hmm. It's got the cult following. Exactly. Yeah. Which is great. That doesn't necessarily put everything in your pocket. I mean, look at Wicked. So Correct. I would like to see what these other new shows have to offer, and I'm hearing a lot of really good things about some of these other shows and what they're developing. So... But I really do think, based on what I've seen so far, light, sound, orchestrations, if orchestrations purely for the fact of incorporating that pop music and those clever lyrics, that really is just ingenious. So The show is currently playing at the Brooks Atkinson Theater eight times a week, and the tickets are currently on sale through March of 2022. And I'm sure it will go on much longer than that. <laughs> The second show we attended was at the Manhattan Theater Club Samuel J. Friedman Theater. It was written, performed, and directed by MTC's artistic director, Ruben Santiago Hudson. The show was Lackawanna Blues. This was an interesting uh, show. I knew it was a one-man show, but I didn't... This is one of those shows that I bought tickets to, and I was like, whatever, it's a Broadway show. Support the arts. I didn't know what we were getting into. But it was a really lovely story, really heartfelt, excellent storytelling, top to bottom, you know? Yeah, and definitely one thing I loved about Ruben's performance was um, how many different threads he wove and how many different characters he embodied. And it was really a story of his life. Yeah, there was like 40-something different characters, and every character had a different posture, voice, Mm -hmm. uh, everything. They were fully realized, you know? Mm -hmm. And you could tell when he would switch. Yeah. Yeah. in the best way possible. Absolutely. It's not traditional storytelling, yet it moves still like a traditional story. There was a beginning, middle, and end, but it... I don't know. It was almost like they did little interviews, little vignettes. Yeah. But there was still, like, this over, this connecting thread mm-hmm. throughout, you know, um, which was great. I love the constant underscoring by the blues guitar player. And I love the music that they, you know, that they also put in there. You oh know, yeah, well, the fact that he joined in with the harmonica. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I just thought that underscoring really added another element to it. 100%. And the other thing I really loved was even though it was a very simple set, you could tell where where we were, what it looked like, what it felt like. Um, and one of the things that I loved, uh, because basically the story is about, you know, Ruben's nanny. Yes. Um, His unofficial know. grandmother. Exactly. And so... Um, this woman who cared for the entire neighborhood. Exactly. And one of my favorite things was that there was a ceiling fan that was always turning until we got to the end of the story. And I won't give it away just yet. That's for a stage whisper episode. Oh, but. I misread what you sent me. I thought you meant like any time she was in uh, the scene uh, or talked about was when it was turning. I didn't realize it was turning in the... Yeah, okay, it was okay. turning the whole time until uh, that moment it stopped and it stopped okay. exactly when it needed to. The audience participation really made it great, too. So, what's interesting is, okay, so the show is performed by people of color. A person of color. Uh, people. The, oh, don't I forget guess the, the guitarist. Was, yeah. Uh, and the majority of the audience were people of color, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, you know, this is by no means a racist comment or anything, but different audiences of color react different ways. And this audience made up primarily of people of color I mean, it was like being back in a Southern Baptist church. Just certain lines, you just hear from them, mm-hmm, you know. You wouldn't get that with, with, a, with a wider audience. And it made it more, I don't know, it made it more live. It made it more thrilling. Like, you know, he'd say certain lines or certain things. One of my favorite was when Nanny confronts this one guy who's beaten on a woman and she says, you're going to have to go through me first. You're going to have to beat me. And everybody's just like, mm-hmm, you know. And I'm just like, that's the reaction. You, Everyone's thinking it. Everybody in this theater, though, is actually, like, vocalized. And I loved it, Well, you know? one of the things that I really loved is that, you know, going into this show as two Caucasian audience members, um, you knew that this show wasn't for us. Right. Like, the show wasn't written... For us, but we could still, there were still things we could relate to, and there were still things that led us into the world in a really respectful, nice way. We got invited into the room to observe, yes. not to critique. Exactly. Yes. It was the sit down, be quiet, and watch, mm-hmm. and learn. And if you um, know, then you know. Yeah. Exactly. Which was really, really nice. Yeah. You can check out the show at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater through November 7th of 2021. That concludes this episode of the Broadway Bulletin. Be sure to tune in to our next edition coming out every Tuesday and Saturday. Until next time, I'm Hope Bird. And I'm Andrew Cortez, reminding you to turn off your cell phone. Unwrap your candies and keep your mask on. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Booga Blues by U.S. Army Blues. Other music on this episode provided by Mize Darling and Billy Murray. <laughs>